In times of strange social distancing and quarantine, we know that medical education must continue. So we're going to keep going forward. In this session, we're going to cover the ACOG committee opinion, which is number 773 on the use of AMH or antimalarian hormone in women who are not seeking fertility care. Now, I actually didn't know that this was an issue because I only learned that AMH should be done as a way to check for ovarian reserve in those with known infertility, especially in those over the age of 35. But I wasn't aware that people were using AMH for other indications like prediction of pregnancy, prediction of menopause, and even as part of PCOS eval. So that was news to me. But in this session, we're going to review this committee opinion because it's actually part of the Q1, meaning the first quarter of ABOG article release for maintenance of certification. So if you haven't read the article yet, you're going to do so in these next, oh, about 10 minutes. Let's start with some basic embryology. Remember that the number of oocytes in the ovaries reaches a maximum of about 8 million at about 20 weeks of gestation. From that point onward, there's a rapid atresia of oocytes within the ovary. By the age of puberty, there are approximately 500,000 oocytes remaining within both ovaries. Every month, a cohort of oocyte-containing follicles is activated, either progressing on to ovulate or they become atretic. Thus, the number of oocytes within the ovaries decreases with increasing age. The total number of gonadotropin-responsive follicles and oocytes contained within an individual ovaries at any given time is known as her ovarian reserve. When an individual progresses through her reproductive years towards menopause and the number of oocytes decreases, the quality of oocytes also diminishes. So, of course, it's not just a quantity issue, but a quality issue as well. After menopause, which is defined as the final menstruation resulting from the physiological permanent decline in gonadal hormone levels confirmed by 12 months of amenorrhea in those who have a uterus, there are few to no gonadotropin-responsive follicles contained within either ovary. Data do exist to support the use of AMH levels for the assessment of ovarian reserve in infertile women and to select ovarian stimulation protocols in that population. Although its value for infertile women is well established, according to the committee opinion, some healthcare providers have been using this same hormone level to predict other gynecological conditions. So let's take a look to see if that's even evidence-based at all. But first, a quick review on antimalurian hormone itself. Antimalurian hormone is produced by the granulosa cells surrounding each oocyte in the developing follicle. It's also produced by sertori cells in the testes where it inhibits development of the malurian ducts in males. Antimalurian hormone is secreted primarily by the preantral and small, usually less than 8 millimeter, antral follicles of the ovary. That is a clinical pearl. Remember that antimalurian hormones is produced by the granulosa cells, but primarily by the preantral and small antral follicles of the ovary. 
Although the number of preantral and small antral follicles is fairly constant within a given menstrual cycle, these follicle numbers slowly decline with age. Therefore, the production and serum levels of antimalarian hormone at any given time are reflective of a woman's ovarian reserve, and multiple studies have demonstrated their antimalarian hormone levels decline slowly across the reproductive lifespan. Although there are other levels of measuring ovarian reserve, including serum FSH levels, specifically on day three, an antral follicle count, or an ovarian volume, which can be determined by ultrasound, there's one specific advantage of antimalurian hormone. This advantage of AMH, well above other methods of assessment of ovarian reserve, is that AMH levels can be obtained almost any time throughout the menstrual cycle. In other words, you don't have to order it just in the follicular phase. It may be this advantage of AMH that has enticed healthcare providers to apply this serum level to other gynecological conditions. But here's the bottom line. Using this outside of the evaluation for an infertile couple is just not evidence-based. But what about antimalarian hormone as a predictor of future fertility? Is this being done? Well, it actually is, but it shouldn't. The OBGYN should exercise caution when considering the predictability of serum AMH levels in any population of women with a low prevalence of infertility, including reproductive age women who either have never tried to become pregnant or who have become pregnant in the past without any assistance. Now, some women are requesting this as a, quote, ovarian check to see if they can get pregnant in the future, but that is not evidence-based. Again, according to the college, several studies have demonstrated that AMH levels do not accurately predict the chance of pregnancy in women who are not infertile. So according to the committee opinion, it's very clear. Based on the current information, a single serum AMH level assessment obtained at any point in time in a population of women with presumed fertility does not appear to be useful in predicting time of pregnancy and should not be used for counseling patients in this regard. Another ill-advised, at least ill-advised for now, use of AMH has been as a predictor of menopause. Given the known gradual decline of AMH hormones with age, serum levels of AMH have been explored as a marker for time to menopause. However, according to the college, studies on the use of antimalarian hormone for this purpose is just very conflicting in their results and should not be recommended at this time. I have to be honest, I actually had no idea that antimalarian hormone was being used as a biomarker for PCOS. And I guess that's kind of a good thing that I didn't know because it's not recommended to do so. PCOS, or the old Stein-Leventhal syndrome, is the most common endocrine disorder in women of childbearing age and a common cause of irregular or late cycles, hyperandrogenism, and infertility. AMH hormone has been proposed as an additional biomarker for the diagnosis of PCOS, but data conflicts as to whether AMH hormone is more sensitive than ultrasound-visualized antrophollicle count for the diagnosis of PCOS, and it's actually less sensitive. Now, remember that right now, the Rotterdam Criteria, the American Endocrine Society, and the NIH classification for POS does not include antimalarian hormone in its evaluation. So as of now, remember that serum antimalarian hormone levels are not part of the accepted diagnostic criteria for PCOS. 
Lastly, according to the committee opinion, in addition to its role as a marker of ovarian reserve, antimalarian hormone levels have been investigated as a marker of oocyte competence and therefore pregnancy loss risk. And again, I've got to be transparent. I had no idea that this was being done. Small retrospective studies have yielded inconsistent results, with some studies finding an association between pregnancy loss and low AMH levels, but others have reported no link between the two. However, in the only available large prospective cohort of more than 12,000 women, a secondary analysis of a trial evaluating the effect of low-dose aspirin on live birth in women with a history of one or two previous pregnancy losses pre-pregnancy AMH levels were not associated with pregnancy loss. So, according to the college, at this time, routine AMH level testing for the prediction of pregnancy loss is just not recommended. All right, everybody, this wraps up our review of the ACOG committee opinion, which is also part of the ABOG maintenance of certification list for the first quarter of 2020. Thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.